Hello and welcome to Scary Pair, a horror movie podcast between partners. I'm not. We're a thousand miles from nowhere, and it's going to get a hell of a lot worse before it gets any better. <laughs> I'm Opal. <laughs> and this week we watched The Thing, uh, 1982, directed by John Carpenter, starring Kurt Russell, Keith David, and Wilfred Brimley. Everyone. Starring everyone. Starring fucking everyone. <laughs> uh, but before we get into our latest fall favorite fall favorites <laughs> uh, Opal, what have we been up to the last couple weeks we got married, married. how you how you feeling about it <laughs> being married yeah, yeah yeah it's pretty good so far. yeah it's pretty good yeah. i would say it's pretty good it was yeah. it was honestly a really good time yeah the wedding was a great time um yeah. it kind of leads into this movie <laughs> I mean, bit. we we did have a group showing of this at the Airbnb our friends were staying at, so yeah, we, we had a fun and interesting experience of a bunch of people seeing it for the first time. Yes, so maybe we can talk about what that was like a little bit too during. But also, it was very funny because there are friends who are very gay, so we had a lot of um, conversations, uh, readings of the movie <laughs> and the male dynamics. Yes, also a lot of Among Us jokes. That was to be expected. I mean, they did make a whole movie based on Among Us. So it's really, I think it's appropriate. All right. Um, Did we do, did we do anything else? Oh, we also did watch for this movie, the making of documentary, which is just on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. That was fascinating. I love stuff like that. It's like 90 minutes long. It's pretty good. Uh, All about production stuff. Yeah. We'll be talking about some of it. Uh, yeah but, as it comes up likely but yeah definitely definitely give that a watch did we watch anything else i feel like we did um oh yeah we watched three extremes last night yeah i showed you uh that horror anthology between like different kind of high profile asian directors yeah um it was good it was good yeah it was it's good. good uh my favorite was the korean one uh cut park park chadwick yeah which um I, Which, yeah, I, I wanted to see it because there, he did a new one that's coming out soon that yeah, I really want to see. Yeah, we're going to try and see that in a couple yeah. weeks. Uh, I, I liked this one because, uh, I think I mentioned this as we were watching, it's just like a Batman the Animated Series episode. Um, which you'll understand if you've seen, I guess, both of these things, and if you haven't, then tough luck. But <laughs> I, don't, I don't really have the reference for it, but it, it's very, uh, the Joker, sure. Yeah, uh, the, there's a character in it who is just the Joker, and the protagonist is just Bruce Wayne. Uh, and it's a good time. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> also, yeah. it's it's definitely, like, shot, uh, like, in that kind of, uh, kind of the film noir stuff that Batman the Animated Series is pulling from. It's clearly pulling from, so it gave it this whole, uh, kind of zany mood, I would <laughs> yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah. Um but but the other the other two uh movies in the anthology were also both good. Yeah, I think I um the first one is Dumplings which actually has its own full movie which I think is a little bit more fleshed out and I might like a little bit more than the short version of it, but yeah. Yeah, I, the Takashi Miike one is also very weird, but kind of on brand. It's extremely weird. Um, I thought it was fine. <laughs> it, it's fine. It's kind of the weakest one of all of them, but I mean, he has a lot stronger work that I'm bond on, obviously. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, I think it's time. Is it thing time? I think it's time to get into the thingy. Thingy. <laughs> um. So yes, we're doing fall favorites this month. So. 
Opal, this was your pick. This is my special baby pick. <laughs> I love this movie uh, so much. Yeah, for for this month, we're just picking our favorite horror films and, and plotting is, about this them. This is one of mine that I can always return to. You know, I watch it at least once a year. I'm very familiar with it. It, so. it took me a while to see this one. Really? Um, yeah, so Big Trouble in Little China, I think I mentioned last week, is like my Carpenter childhood movie that mm-hmm. I saw quite a yeah, bit. Yeah. Um, Escape from New York. You also, also like Escape from New York. Yeah, that's another one. Um, this another one. Kurt Russell. Yeah, uh, this one, um, just for whatever reason, my family's like not a big horror movie family really, so I definitely saw it, but um, it wasn't like part of the regular rotation. We could get Megan in on this one for sure. Yeah, yeah, my mom would like this. It's um, a dude's rock movie. She ex- loves dude's rock it's movies. It's extremely a dude's rock movie. Um, yeah, we'll get into it a little bit, but it's an all-male cast, which is really interesting. Um, it is um, it is a very masculine movie in a lot of ways. For I'm sure. sure we can get into it more, but... Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, yeah. But let's get into the summary. And then we'll just talk about it. Yeah, I'm I'm a big Carpenter fan myself. I have a lot of his movies that I really love and enjoy. This is probably my favorite and most beloved one, though. Yeah. Another another kind of, like, close behind second is probably In the Mouth of Madness. Sure. Which I'm, I'm kind of, like, shocked it doesn't share any crew for special effects for this movie because there's a little bit of, like, visual overlap, I feel. You definitely get, like... Carpenter's sort of eye and style coming through. Yeah, in both of they them. have a they have a very Lovecraftian like visual direction, which is kind of present in both of them. But very underrated movie. I will talk about that movie again one day. I am <laughs> certain of it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's get into let's get into the movie. Uh, we open on a title sequence where a UFO crash lands in the Arctic. This little UFO is so funny. I always forget the movie opens like this. Yeah, um, this is, we learned from the doc, is like a maiden miniature. Um, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, also, the uh, actual like title itself effect was done in a really cool way. The like the thing all illuminated. Yeah. Um, it was made in like an aquarium or something with a lighter. Yeah, they, they burned a garbage bag like through an aquarium with a light behind it to like get that color and like effect and it it works yeah it works it's good it's good i love practical effects and this movie is fucking full this of this is the practical effects movie of all time yeah um from there we go to the arctic where we get a helicopter with boot too big for he goddamn feet <laughs> they're, they're in <laughs> snowshoes don't make fun of him uh and they're chasing a dog through the snow <laughs> Uh, a sniper in the helicopter takes aim but misses. Bad shot. Not a very good shot. <laughs> yeah. Um. We cut to the sort of protagonist of this movie, uh, R.J. McCready, played by Kurt Russell. Mac. He's uh playing chess against a computer, uh, which beats his ass. So he uh, angrily kind of dumps alcohol inside the machine. Because uh, he doesn't like to lose, you see. They've only been out here a couple weeks. For real? They talk about how <laughs> this, like it's the first week of winter and it's like he's already losing it? This palpable tension with him and the, the chess software is uh, a little extreme. I, I do think it is like a good look into like what his character is like, though. Yeah. He's a competitive guy. He likes to sit and have a drink. 
Uh, but he you know, chess. <laughs> he would rather he would rather burn it all down when he knows that he's lost than you know play it out. So he hates women. <laughs> uh, well, there aren't any in this movie, so <laughs> that's the only one. Um, that's my only frame of reference. The dog and helicopter uh, approach the base. Uh, we learn that the helicopter guys are Norwegians, uh, and they try to like throw a grenade at the dog. It doesn't succeed. None of their efforts <laughs> succeed. Uh, yeah, this ends with them uh, blowing up their helicopter instead. Um, the last survivor like chases after the dog with a gun um, and shoots, but hits one of the researchers. Uh, so they return fire and kill him. Um, yeah, I forget his name. The researcher that shot in yeah, the leg. Yeah, I'm not. Starts with a B. Uh, Blair, maybe. No. No. Uh, we'll get to it. <laughs> okay, we'll cut this out. Uh, the researchers take in the dog and try to determine why the Norwegians attacked. Uh, it's kind of like a who knows. Maybe it was cabin fever. Uh, maybe we're at war with Norway. Gets dropped by Nals, the uh, cook, and yeah. one of several comic reliefs in this movie. Yes. Yes. I mean. <laughs> They have nothing to go off of. They just kind of went nuts, so... Yeah. There's um, no frame of reference. They have, like, information about them, because they're also, like, researchers out in the Antarctic, but none of it really points to why <laughs> they would be doing this. Yeah, you would you would figure that they had been in communication with this other base at some point. Well, we also find out that they can't reach anyone by radio and haven't been able to for weeks, which makes sense. You know, it's, they're very isolated. Supposedly. Supposedly. <laughs> um, they decide they're going to head to the Norwegian compound where there should be at least eight more scientists. Um, McReady is the pilot, so he takes their helicopter up with a few others. Um, and we get some shots here of the dog kind of making its way around the compound. This dog. <laughs> oh my god, this dog. So I have, I have a note here. So this is Jed the wolf Jed. dog. Um, I love him. The quote from the documentary was, he was a very spooky dog. <laughs> he is a very spooky dog. He's um, being very spooky. Apparently he's literally half wolf. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's a, he's a Malamute wolf mix. Not in the way that people say, like, huskies are like wolf dogs. He's an actual wolf dog. Yeah. Uh, apparently he never barked or growled. He's a consummate professional. <laughs> and, uh... He wasn't uh, experienced working with people, so it made all of the, like, dog acting very strange for a dog. Um, yes, it is a very strange-looking dog. If you saw someone's dog, like, staring forward like this, you'd be like, dude, your dog, is he okay? <laughs> is your dog like, what's okay, up with bro? him? <laughs> um, I also want to talk about here how, so the cast is 12 guys, um, they're all, like, have various, they all have different jobs. Yes. So, like, McCready's the pilot, Nalls is the cook, they they have, like, a seismologist, and, like, doctors, a, a doctors and various things, um, and it's interesting how even, like, just in the beginning, you get kind of a feel for, like, what type of character all of these guys yes, are. Yes, yes. Like, McCready's very serious. They um, don't have these kind of, like, panned out intros or anything. I mean, when, when this movie came out, people were kind of critical of, like, the character work and stuff, but I feel like, you know, if they all came up to the camera and said, like, hey, this is my job, this is my interest, this is who I am, <laughs> it would be very unnatural. It's, so it's it's just kind of lived in, and you can kind of draw your own conclusions about who these guys are. It's the kind of thing that works in a 
book where you have to like inhabit some of these characters and like get their perspective at times but i really like not really knowing any of them in the movie because it creates this sense of like oh i know what type of guy you are but i don't really know you i don't quite have enough attachment to be like oh this is my friend it's more like oh this is just a weirdo yeah (laughs) um I mean, they never really go into, like, what they're there to do or anything, like, what yeah. they're studying up there or anything, but I don't really feel like that matters all that much. I feel like explaining those things would just take you out of it so much more. Yeah. Uh, I also noted here, I love all of the, like, drawn-out shots and the, like, kind of sparse dialogue. Um, there's a lot of just, like, shots of people doing stuff wordlessly and moving across the screen or shots of the arctic or shots of the helicopter moving um there's not a lot that's like explicit in like the people communicating and like they're not allergic to like holding a shot for a while yeah i mean it looks really good the compound is really cool and really lived in so that's always enjoyable for me and you know it's it's good it's a little bit lonely in its location, and it feels kind of, like, sparse on purpose. Yeah, it's in service of a vibe. You know, you're supposed to um, kind of not be so sure of everyone, and the setting is supposed to be a little bit off-putting, but it's also supposed to be, like, kind of uh, harshly beautiful at the same time. Yes, extremely. Um, yeah. Uh, all right, so... Da-da-da. Uh, So the guys in the helicopter come to the ruined Norwegian facility. Um, They investigate and find it basically abandoned. Um, But they do find uh, a frozen corpse of a guy who's like slit his throat with a razor. And his Uh, arms. There are like blood sickles hanging off of his arms. Yeah. Which is a really cool visual. Uh, They also find some research notes and video, but they're all in Norwegian. Uh, I like this touch. I don't think you need to know the language to know what's going on in any of these. <laughs> um, in the last room, they find a giant slab of ice, which has been, like, hollowed out. Uh, and outside, they find, like, a mutilated and burned corpse amalgam. Uh, it's like a, a split face thingy that looks really cool. Uh, they didn't do a very good job of burning it. It's, no. It's mostly just all there. It's mostly all there. Um, I love all like the set dressing in this compound it's super creepy um yeah it's just like black and burnt and kind of indiscernible what anything is and you just like it's like a bomb went off you know like what the fuck happened here yeah and it's also i think in like a really clever way like hinting about like what's going to happen yes um which is really cool um i think um we will talk a little bit about the 2011 one because it's a little bit unavoidable but maybe that's how like they're kind of able to disguise that as a remake sure because it is just like the same events Mm -hmm. um so they return with these like weird remains um we get a sick scene of everyone examining this like still smoldering husk um and dr copper is told to begin an autopsy So here we get a better look at the creature. It's like mutilated and grotesque. Like you said, it's got the whole split face thing going on. Um, It's it's like a beautiful sculpture. Just like someone made this. And if you put this in like an art museum, I would just like, yeah, that 
I made, that makes sense. It, it is beautiful and grotesque, absolutely. Um, they, they examine also the body of the dead Norwegian, who's normal. He's completely uh, normal. He's completely normal. No, like, drugs in his system or whatever. Uh, and the, like, corpse mutant even has, like, a normal set of internal organs, which yeah, everyone is spooked by. It's so funny, him, like, wrangling these slippery organs out. He's just like, <laughs> these are completely normal. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with these. He's just a normal guy, as you can see. It's unsettling. <laughs> um, which I have questions. <laughs> a lot of questions. We also get a scene of the rest of the guys at the base uh, doing various activities like watching TV, smoking weed, and playing pool. I love this guy with his big cartoon spliff, just like (laughs) watching the dating game. Because sometimes I forget that people used to just watch the dating game. Because it kind of sucks as a TV show. Also, I like that it's like a tape that he's already seen. So he's like, ah, I saw this one already. And he like goes to replace it. But he got most of the way through it. (laughs) that's what i'm saying it's just i like the the detail of like yeah these guys are just out here with nothing to fucking do most of the time uh it is monotonous in the the biggest way and then he watches porn that's right (laughs) just normal activity uh when the dog bites someone it's taken to the kennel uh all of the other dogs like bark at it and kind of retreat as it transforms into a crazy, like, crab-spider-dog jumble. The, just like the dog sitting there in the middle of all the other dogs, and the dogs are like, what the fuck <laughs> is that? <laughs> just like just good that. dog acting. Really But good. also, like, this is the point of the movie where some of our friends asked, oh, are the dogs going to be okay? Let <laughs> <laughs> say no. I mean... It's one of the dog dyingest movies of all time. Of all time, and um, I, I'm talk- I'm including Milo and Otis. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. So yeah, the the creature transforms and starts attacking. Uh, people find out. Uh, McCready sounds the alarm, uh, and Childs, who's uh, like the engineer played by Keith David, is called in with a flamethrower. Yeah, Mac wants a flamethrower. Mac wants a what? Yeah, <laughs> a what? Extremely that. Uh, the horrible tentacle dog monster feeds on several of the other dogs, uh, so they fire on it with guns and eventually burn it. These dogs get it so bad. (laughs) They get turned into, like, goop. They get, like, sprayed with goop. (laughs) They get shot. They get assimilated. They get, like, chopped by an axe later. It is... I'm sorry. I'm sorry to those people who didn't know that the dogs were going to die so <laughs> much. later. They, they died so much. <laughs> and, of course, the dog handler guy, Clark, gets real upset here. Yeah, yeah. Because, because he loves he's dogs. a dog dude. He's a dude who loves dogs. Love Clark. Love Clark. Um, the doctor uh, examines the corpse of the creature. Uh, like I said before, it's basically a dog jumble in there. It is just a big dog bonanza <laughs> in a puppet the puppet is really really cool we didn't talk about that yeah we learned that it's like a an, basically an animatronic hand puppet yeah yeah you can kind of tell that there's like a hand in there because of like the size of it and everything but yeah. it's it's gnarly yeah uh this is the first bit of uh science fictiony uh uh, uh science explaining we get in this movie where uh Wilford Brimley, uh, uh, Blair, the biologist, says, 
that uh, it's an organism that imitates other life forms. It absorbs organisms and copies them, which he's just able to understand it's, it's immediately. Quite a, it's quite a jump in logic, <laughs> but there are some ways which it would make sense. Some. Uh, and uh, Clark, the dog handler, arouses some suspicion because he's been alone with this dog for like the whole day, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so has everyone else. <laughs> right. The dog has had opportunity to move throughout he, the compound, which we've bit seen. He a guy. Yes. Um, they examine some of the recovered video footage, um, and they find the Norwegians are excavating something from a block of ice near their camp. Um, so McCready decides he's going to go out in the helicopter and investigate, uh, and they find a huge crater, uh, and the UFO from they, the They intro. find a matte painting. They find a beautiful matte painting. <laughs> uh, also, I, I like the creepy old footage, how they're kind of like standing equidistant between each other in kind of this ominous way. It is creepy. Um, I guess this is as good a time as any to mention that Carpenter did get the matte painting guy who did all of Hitchcock's movies, Albert Whitlock. Awesome, yeah. Uh, although, apparently, I found out there is some beef here. Oh, beef. Because... Uh, very recently, Carpenter claimed that uh, Whitlock's assistant did all of the actual painting because uh, the, the guy didn't like Carpenter, apparently. Drama alert! But uh, that guy's dead, so we have no... We can shit talk all we want. <laughs> we we can, no we can spit on his grave. <laughs> Regardless, it's a beautiful matte painting. <laughs> whoever uh, did it, Whoever did it. Uh, so, this is another moment where we just get... Like, a lot of quiet moments of just music and guys doing stuff. Like, guys looking at this, like, looking at the crater. Um, them, like, going out in the helicopter. There's, like, very little, uh, like, dialogue here. Um, we do learn that the ice that the thing is buried in, like, the the spaceship is buried in, is at least 100,000 years old. Yeah. Um, which is interesting because um, there's a lot of, like, well, not a lot of it, but there's a few moments where... Um, time kind of passes and then they explain but you you wouldn't know it basically mm. like they explain it in dialogue later um like i would have almost been led to believe that like this spaceship landed and then the norwegians immediately found it and immediately started looking at it but that's no, not that, the case that that little ufo from the intro is from a hundred thousand years, years ago. ago yeah which is just kind of interesting how they just kind of drop that and it's kind of like oh Okay. Um, I mean, it takes that long for something to be buried that deep in, like, the Antarctic, right? So. I guess, yeah. Um, and they also find the, like, excavated block uh, a ways from the crash, meaning that something got frozen in the ice and then taken back to the camp, and they kind of into it. This is the monster, basically. The yeah. monster got frozen out in the ice, and then they took it back. Um, we head back to base, and... Uh, Palmer, uh, another one of the mechanics, uh, another one of the comic relief characters. He was the guy with the doink yeah, earlier. Yeah, yeah, he's got his big hippie bell-bottom pants. <laughs> he he uh, gives us some classic 1980s ancient alien shit. Oh, yeah, he fully <laughs> goes into ancient aliens. Fully, he's like, oh, those guys made the pyramids and everything. Like, <laughs> Because we're already concluded that these are aliens. Right. Um... We also get another great bit of uh, movie magic here. We get a computer simulation uh, run by Blair of the it cells yeah. being assimilated. It looks like an Atari game, for it sure. It does. Um, 
but I, I do like like all these dried out shots are really good here. Uh, the simulation ends up giving them a seventy five percent chance that one or more crew members are already infected. Not good odds. And that the entire world could become infected if it reaches the outside. Not good odds. All I'm saying is uh, the AI isn't this good. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it it's it's good like stakes setting basically like oh they're in fucking trouble basically yeah. I understand why you would do, like, some hand-wavy stuff here, because otherwise, like, they would just get taken over really quickly. I mean, it's it's kind of like the mothership and Alien giving exposition, right? Like, it's kind of that same vehicle to yeah. be like, this is what's going on to the audience. Well, but the characters also need to figure it out so that they will start taking action, basically. Because otherwise, they would just be sitting there and get assimilated, right? So they need to, like somehow be clued into what's going on so they do some hand wavy sci-fi yeah, stuff yeah yeah to... for brimley is like okay i can have a mental breakdown about this <laughs> um mccready is like ready to wash his hands of the situation and just get drunk in his cabin uh but he gets pulled aside by fuchs who is the assistant biologist um and we also get some shots here of the creature corpse getting locked in the storeroom. Uh, some lines get dropped here like, you can't burn the find of the century. That's going to win someone the Nobel Prize. Which yeah. <laughs> is just great. Oprah moment. We're going to get on Oprah. <laughs> uh, but of course we see the blood of the creature begin to move on its own. While yeah, so even if they're dead, it doesn't really matter. They can still infect people, which is important. Because I yes. would say this is probably the vehicle that most people get infected in this movie. Yes. Allegedly. Allegedly, yes. Because it's not exactly clear. It doesn't show a lot of the moments of infection and things like that, but... Um, there, there's some stuff the, dropped it, later to give you an idea, most... but opportunities for people to be infected around these corpses for sure yeah 100 percent. um well it's when people's guard is down the most yeah um and where everyone is like together there's usually like two people in the same room at a time mm -hmm. um so yeah we're learning a little bit of like the rules of the creature here yes i also just love the kind of we're learning like what movie this movie is where it's like Oh, we can't deal with the problem and keep everyone alive. The Nobel Prize. Like, yeah, just yeah. extremely, like, um, straight out of, like, a Stephen King novel, you know? We're going to bury our feelings about this a little bit. We're all manly men. <laughs> yeah. Uh, We're not going to talk about it. Yeah, there was definitely a massacre of ten Norwegian scientists that we can't explain, but no big deal. <laughs> uh, in the bulldozer, uh, Fuchs has pulled McCready aside to tell him that Blair's acting real weird. Uh -huh. uh, he's locked himself in his cabin. Uh, and according to his notes, the whole station could become infected. Um, yeah, so they're just taking his notes and uh, concluding what they can from them. Yeah, because, because he's, he's AWOL. He's AWOL. I think this is where it's like important that everyone has their little jobs. And like Fuchs is the assistant biologist. So mm -hmm. like he can like he would be close to Blair and like figure out his notes, basically. Yes. And um, also in multiple other ways. Right. Uh, back inside, Bennings, the meteorologist, has been assimilated. He's got his big, like, crab claws. <laughs> These and, are great. And he's just, like, not normal yet. And this is ex <laughs> this is extremely what it feels like to try to be normal every day around other people. <laughs> <laughs> With your big crab claws. It's a struggle. Yeah. Uh, he's like, screaming. <laughs> uh, Windows, another of the comic relief characters, uh, the guy who runs the radio uh he calls for help 
and they sound the alarm. They burn him to fuck. Yeah, uh, Bennings, like, runs out into the snow, and you see, like, his crazy arm tendril things, um, and McCready burns him alive Yeah, he's he's the, the guy that got shot earlier. Yes, and also, Bennings. And yeah. also bit by the dog. Yes. So, uh, this guy can't catch a break. Right, we get an idea <laughs> of, like, how the infection is spreading here. Um, they decide, okay, this thing's still a threat, we're gonna burn the rest of the remains, um... But they still have to figure out what to do about Blair, who <laughs> takes this uh, opportunity to sabotage the helicopter, radio equipment, and the tractor. This is this is one of the Wilford Brimley scenes of all time. This is Him amazing. Him going off. Um, <laughs> melting down. He also kills all the remaining dogs to the dismay of Clark. Yeah, very sad. Uh, the dogs, you don't have to worry about them dying anymore. They're all dead. Yeah. Um, in the radio room, Blair rages against the alien. I'll kill you! While taking an axe to the equipment and firing a gun at anyone that tries to get in. I love this. This is a great, like, rant that he's doing here. Um, he's clearly just, like, completely melted down. He's decided, like, uh, we cannot let this thing get out. I'm going to make sure that everyone at the station goes down, basically. Um, Understandable. <laughs> but also, could have maybe, maybe talked to everyone else first. Um, not if they're thingies. Uh, McCready and company managed to subdue him. And they lock him in the tool shed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Blair tells McCready to watch Clark, the dog trainer, who was alone with those dogs quite a long time. Deflecting, clearly. <laughs> because he was also alone with things for a long time. I mean, it's interesting, right? Because... On some level, you can play it straight that, like, he's a normal guy here who's just having a break and is making, like, a nihilistic and kind of arguably foolish, um, but ultimately pragmatic decision to kind of sabotage people. Yeah. But you could also look at it like, is he the thing and trying to make sure that these guys don't get out. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's very ambiguous when anyone is infected at any point on purpose. Right. Um, and I think this is, the, like, the first moment we really start to feel it. Yeah. When people are starting to mistrust each other 100%. It kind of sets the tone for that. The rest of the crew uh, decides they're going to hunt down any potential imposters among them. Oh, shut up! Stop! <laughs> uh, and they decide they're going to do, like, a blood serum test. Uh, but when they go to check, all of the blood samples have been tampered with. Yeah, they're kind of, like, just spilt on the floor. <laughs> yeah. And um, there's only, like, two people who could have done that, supposedly. Yeah, so... Doc- Maybe not. So, Dr. Copper and Captain Gary are the only ones with access to the keys. Um, so, an argument, you know, quickly breaks out as they realize that they're the prime suspects. Um, but are they, though? Well, the captain uh, primarily is just in terms of sabotaging the blood samples. So, despite the fact that, like... He is sort of, like, would normally be the authority. Uh, This is the point where McGreedy kind of takes control. Yeah, Um, yeah. uh, It's interesting here how uh, Childs, the otherwise uh, authority-worthy character, is very quickly shut down because he's a black man who isn't even-tempered enough. Well... They kind of start their rivalry here a right. little bit, which I, I don't think he's that off the cuff even in the movie, but they just kind of say that. I mean, I do think it's interesting. Like, I do, there are, like, a few black characters in this movie 
uh, and they make it pretty far. Um, in terms, uh, you of could like, argue the farthest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and you know, um, the fact that McCready is just like the one who is able to successfully grab the reins, like I do think, is indicative of like his social position. You know, like he's maybe, maybe that is until like people start distrusting him too. That's true. That's true. But like at least for now, um, everyone's pretty quickly willing to be like, yeah, let's let the the white guy be in charge. And I just thought that was like an interesting dynamic out here. Like I do think it's yeah, important that like yeah. it's it's twelve guys and they all just kind of like various ethnicities and mostly white, and they just kind of all quietly are like, okay, we'll let this assertive guy take charge. Um, yeah, I see what you're saying. But th- this is a this is Keith David's very first movie. He's amazing in this. Him, um, him in his like sweater. Yeah, I don't... he looks good. He does a great job. So he was like in theater before this. I guess he like kept getting notes to like tone it down because <laughs> like theater actors have to be very big. Um, but I think he does some great acting with just like his facial expressions here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, like me personally, like I watched this movie and like I'm on Team Childs. The whole time, you know? Well, there comes a point where you almost have to be, right? Because right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you kind of start having to pick sides your own as a viewer because the movie doesn't give you evidence to work off of necessarily, right. and that's on purpose. Well, it's interesting. Like, this movie was supposed to be a little bit more of an a true ensemble. Um, and then eventually Kurt Russell kind of got cast as McCready, who kind of takes over the movie especially in the back half as like the protagonist whereas Mm -hmm. like earlier on i mean he has some screen time but like he's not the main guy necessarily no not Um, but but you kind of know because it follows his perspective mostly and he's kurt russell it's kurt russell in a john carpenter movie you kind of know how this is going to go and then yeah towards the back half it really becomes a little bit more explicit that like we are following along with this guy we're getting like alone time with him more than anybody else kind of yeah um in fact i think he's maybe the only character we get like true alone time with um except for maybe a few earlier scenes there are groups of people that you follow scenes with where he's absent on purpose but otherwise i think you're right yeah um and i think like it's important that we kind of are with him so much because as we start to wonder who's the thing and who's not well, we know it's not McCready. We've been watching all of these scenes develop from his perspective, right? So that's interesting, too. Mm. Um, so McCready gives a speech to everyone about how they need to suss out, like, who's a person and who's Sus. not. Imposters. <laughs> uh, Copper, uh, Gary, and Clark are separated from the others and drugged with morphine. Uh, yeah, it seems a little bit extreme. Couldn't you just take, like, a chill pill or something? Uh, and here's another point where uh, I think, like, some time passes. Because the next shot is McCready in, like, his quarters making, like, a recording. Like, a secret recording about what's going on. And he says that it's been, like, days. Nobody trusts each other anymore. Nobody trusts each other anymore. And they have, like, nothing to go on. Um, he does... Uh, think that the thing must like rip through your clothes when it transforms because he found like somebody's raggedy clothes underwear Um, yeah yeah long johns something like that um but yeah this is another case where like the first time i watched this movie i don't think i or even like the first five times i don't think i parsed the like oh days go by here 
Like, they literally have them tied up, and they're, like, trying to keep track of anything, and, like, I think he says, like, 48 hours or something like that. Um, so that, that was... monitoring, I guess. Yeah, that was really... So I thought that was really interesting, because it plays into, like, the next few scenes. Like, they're deciding to only eat out of, like, cans and prepare their own meals. Yeah. Which is very uh, Agatha Christie. <laughs> well, I mean, it is a very big clear influence here maybe we'll talk about that more towards the end but yeah. specifically and then there were none yeah definitely uh fuchs uh follows someone like a mysterious shadow of somebody outside and finds one of mccready's jackets shredded in the snow yeah um, he, he just talked about that exactly yeah um the rest of the guys are like where the heck is fuchs and they go out to search for him in pairs um McGreedy checks with uh, Blair in the storage shed, who has tied up a noose. The the noose is just, like, perfectly framed in frame. He's like, I'm normal now. Please let me back in. <laughs> he wants to come back inside. Um, I'm okay now. Yeah, I just want to come. <laughs> I just want to come back inside. But McCready isn't having it. He just closes. I'm the, always saying this. He just closes the the hatch for him. Uh, th- this is a great scene. I know. I love Wilford Brimley in this. Yeah. Um. Blair also seems to think that uh, Fuchs has been turned at this point. Yeah, yeah, fair assumption. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is great. This is just a feeling of like, yeah, this guy has totally lost it. And if it's like, if this guy's an alien and he's faking this, what the fuck? Yeah, he, he's suicide baiting dum- people on like Tumblr, you know? He's like, if you don't let me out, <laughs> I'm going to kill myself. I mean, it's just like amazing to think of like, yeah, you know, I don't think an alien would be able to figure out quite the subtleties of people that way, but um, just in case. You know, like, yeah. maybe. Um, and they do find um, Fuchs's glasses out in the snow and then eventually um, his corpse, which I don't know if it's implied here that he burned himself alive out in the yeah, snow. Yeah, I, I think like he, the implication that they come to is that he encountered a thing and wanted to like die before that happened. Yeah, yeah. It um, seems like uh, a little extreme, but you know, dire circumstances. Here's also uh, one of my favorite lines that gets dropped here. Uh, McCready notices that uh, someone's been in his shack and Nalls is like, how do you know? And he's like, because I turned the light off when I left. Yeah, and, and the, you see the light is on. <laughs> that That's another great, like, that's a fucking Agatha Christie-ass moment. It is. Um, but he could just be lying. Exactly. Uh, so they go out, the two of them go to investigate. Um, and when they haven't been back for 45 minutes, the rest of the guys are like, all right, we got to seal the doors. They, they start boarding up. Yeah. Um, but Nalls uh, returns with McCready's shredded jacket. Uh, he said he, like, cut the line. He cut him loose. Yeah, he yeah. cut the, like, line that leads them out from the snowstorm, like, to the base to strand him out there. Yeah. Um, and because McCready's clothes have been destroyed, he's convinced that, like, the thing got him. Like, the one out there yeah. is So other real. people must have come to this conclusion as well, besides McCready, that the clothes thing is an indicator. Or he let people know. Yeah. Yeah. Um... But uh, McCready breaks back in. He looks like a Christmas card. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the crew is ready to just kill him, but he has a handful of dynamite. A big cartoon stick of dynamite <laughs> with a flare, which these sparks are getting a little bit really close. Really close. Um, and he's like, basically like, I'll blow you all away if you try and kill me. <laughs> I'll blow you all to smithereens. Yeah. <laughs> um, at this moment, Norris has a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if... Um... 
I don't know if this is the thing having a heart attack <laughs> or he's just like having his own independent heart yeah. attack with um, his shitty organs. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so they uh, untie the doctor and bring him in uh, while McCready continues to ward everyone off with the flamethrower. Yeah, this is fully like the the alien dinner scene of this movie, right? Just like the one that you remember that just oh, like it goes is the... all the way off the rails. Yeah, so we're going to have some notes here, but um, Norris's torso opens up and bites yeah, he, the doctor's like, arms they're off. They're like def- defibbing him, like going like clear and like pushing it into him. And then on one of the clears, his chest opens up like with teeth. these big teeth and just chomps his arms off. It's awesome <laughs> yeah uh and then mccready sets it on fire uh along with the doctor's uh stray head which yeah his like <laughs> neck stretches out and it like detaches from him <laughs> yeah like in this like weird survival mechanism that's happening yeah um this is like the most special effects sequence here it sounded like it was harrowing to accomplish yeah um, i'll just say that um yeah like this was like a 10-hour makeup job situation. That they had to do twice. <laughs> yeah. And uh, a lot of, like, all this stuff is practical. Like, they're using, like, prosthetic uh, face, arms, veins, bones. I think they said um, warm bubblegum and plastic <laughs> yeah. at one point. Yeah. Uh, the For the head falling off scene, the, like, weird tendrils or whatever are, like, a mix of plastics and bubblegum, which almost... Uh, Put the whole set on fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because uh, it was giving off, like, paint thinner fumes or something. Yeah. Um, so, but it, this is, like, the most, I would say, like, visually impactful scene. Oh, it's like, crazy. It's insane to look at. It's several, like, crazy effects, like, back-to-back. Um, plus, like, they set a bunch of stuff on fire. <laughs> yes, literally actually on fire. Yeah, um, which is great. Um and Clark uh, takes this opportunity to try and take down McCready, but uh, McCready shoots him in the head. <laughs> well, yeah, he tries to come at him with a scalpel that you saw him take earlier. But yeah, um, but McCready. But that—that's—that's like, uh, that's before we see the head crab. Uh, yes. So, <laughs> which is very important to talk about. Yeah. So the head like splits off, and then like leg stalks <laughs> come out. It gets little spider legs, and it starts like walking away. Like yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> just like whistling a tune um and they they find it and blast it and this don't mind me this kind of um lets mccready know that like oh any part of this is like enough to infect someone and it's all kind of its own sentient organism yeah this is also uh kurt russell's favorite line in the movie which they see in the head and the, the one guy's just like you've got to be fucking kidding <laughs> <laughs> yeah because that's honestly like how you feel yeah, as the audience, yeah. like fucking seriously. Holy He's shit. trying to just stroll out of there all <laughs> casual, like. Um. So McCready devises a test to see if they're human. Um. He's gonna like draw their blood, and then take a hot needle and touch it to the blood and see if the blood will try and like save itself. Yeah. Basically, clever trick. Yeah. Yeah. Um. He tests uh windows uh as well as himself, and they both come out clean. Um. And he also tests the corpses of Dr. Copper and Clark, who are good as well. They were normal. Yeah. So, uh, Charles is like, so that makes you a murderer then. <laughs> right. the, the sexual tension is palpable. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Palmer's uh, blood is infected. 
Uh, and when he's tested, he transforms and attacks Windows. This is quite a transformation. Yeah, this, also. Is, this is crazy. Um, his, like, eyes pop out of his head. Yeah. Um, McCready is, like, trying to flamethrower them, but it's, like, malfunctioning. Yeah, yeah. Um, he finally gets them and blows his body up with dynamite. Uh, and then <laughs> Yeah, uh, just for extra measure. Yeah, and then burns windows down as well. And everyone tied to the couch is, like, fucking flipping out <laughs> yeah, like, as, like, shit. windows is getting turned in the corner <laughs> of the room. He's just, like, a sad pile of goop that's just, like, ugh. <laughs> They're like, holy shit, get him! Yeah, this is, like, again, like, another huge, like, effect, like, <laughs> sequence that's really good. Um, Nalls is the next one to come out clean, uh, and then so do Childs and Gary. The Every, everyone's clean. So everyone is still clean. Uh, at this point, there's four people left, so everyone but Childs goes out to find Blair. Um, but they find his cabin open and he abandoned. He is not there. No. Uh, along with a, like trap door into a hole in the floor down to an underground lab where a mini ufo is under construction a lot of questions this is great i mean did did he do this on his own (laughs) or did he become a thing and then the thing did it on memory oh i think it's 100 percent implied that it's the thing making it well either that or blair has been waiting his entire life to make this (laughs) ufo well because it looks exactly like a smaller version of the UFO that was buried in the snow, yes, yes, right? Yes, it does. So the idea Which he is never like, saw, so. Yeah, so the idea is, like, oh, the thing, like, knows how to make, like, this UFO. So it's, like, at some point, somebody got into his cabin, or he was already infected and got him, um, and then he started making this thing. Um, which is, again... Or, or he's just an aerial technician <laughs> genius no who way. is ready to make a UFO. No way. <laughs> Uh, and this is another point where, like, the two-day time skip is really important here. Because, like, it, it is, like, holy shit, how did he have time to make all this? But also, like... It's been a couple days. Okay, yeah. Um, they drop dynamite down the hole. Uh, and then... Just to be sure. And then at the same time, they see Childs, like, fleeing the station. And all the lights go out as the generator's been blown. Spooky ooky. Uh, Everything goes like blue and the yeah. lighting is really cool. Yeah. Um McCready's like, alright, we're just gonna blow the whole camp <laughs> yeah. to keep the thing from escaping. The rescue this team's is, not yeah. gonna get to us. This is a suicide mission now. They yeah. all know they're gonna die. Yeah. Um so they sabotage the bulldozer. Um they begin like destroying the camp. Um when they come to the generator room, they find the generator missing. Yeah, just gone. <laughs> yeah. So they're like, okay, let's just bring this whole place down. Um, but unfortunately, they have to, like, split up a little bit during this. Um, and Gary gets assimilated by the Blair alien. The Gary annihilation is very cool because he just, like, puts his fingers inside Yeah, him. he, like, puts his fingers all up in his in face. The skin. Yeah. And Nalls, I don't know if we ever actually see him get taken, but, like, McCready goes after him. he just disappears. Him. Yeah, McCready goes after him, and, like, a huge tentacle creature comes after him. Yeah, um, it's like a dune sandworm situation where yeah. it comes under the floorboards, which is a really cool effect. Yeah, apparently there was some unused stop-motion footage here, which looked really yeah, sick. Yeah, it looked but... really cool. I mean, it was obviously, like, a stop-motion puppet, though, right? Yeah. Which is why, why I think they didn't use it, but clearly a lot of work went into it, and the model yeah. was really cool, so. Yeah. You know, rip. Um, so McCready blows the entire compound. Um... And yeah, he kind of wanders around like the burning ruins for a little bit um, until he's eventually confronted by Childs. Um, and they have like a cagey conversation here where they're like, 
yeah, we're probably not going to make it. And if we've got any surprises for each other, I don't think we're in much shape to do anything about it. And all the gay people in the room going, ooh. Uh, yeah, specifically, like, uh, I think McCready kind of trails off and he's like, we'll just see what happens. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I think Child says that. Yeah. In kind of a oh, Keith David sexual style. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did get ooh. Yeah, people went, ooh. <laughs> it's just very They're funny. kissing. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we go to credits over footage of the smoldering station. So... Yeah, that's the end. That's the movie. The fully ambiguous ending that is not meant to be solved ever. <laughs> I, I love the ending. I do too. I love it. I mean, this is maybe a good time to get into kind of some of the themes of the movie, but like, it is like a very nihilistic movie. You know, like the heroes do not get what they want. No, everyone dies. Everyone dies. <laughs> um, everything is destroyed. Nobody gets out. Nobody is good and noble. Everyone is, you know, their own version of, like, a bad person, basically. Can't, can't um, trust anybody. Can't trust anybody. It's a very, like you said, a very masculine movie. Like, I yeah. I do think, like... Could you imagine if they talked about their problems? <laughs> they will not. Um, You know, which I think, like, supports the idea that there are no women in this movie. Um, But in the remake there are, which I find, you know, interesting. It's interesting. Um, I mean, I... On, like, the one sense, I'm glad there are no uh, women in this movie to, like, become the targets of, like, sexual violence or something. But I know that's, I mean, like... it would probably be, like, alien-ish, right? Where yeah. it's a little bit sexual, but... Um, but no, I mean, I think, I think like, this idea that these guys, like, really can't trust each other and really don't actually have camaraderie and the ability to come together... They're all distrustful of each other, and they're all just gonna burn it down. Yeah, um, I I love the implication that there is a there's a lot of previous beef going into yeah. this. Like you get the sense that um maybe some of these guys that are fighting with each other and don't trust each other already kind of didn't trust each other yeah. for reasons. Yeah. So it's there's a lot of kind of hidden character work in that. Which oh these two don't get really get along in the first place, huh? Yeah. You know. Um. So I. I think that's, like, a strength of the movie. There's, like, a lot that is implied. There's a lot that um, just kind of comes through in the tone that's really good. Um, and, I, yeah, I'm glad it's not afraid to, like, pull its punches, really. I'm glad it's, like, okay with ending on kind of a downbeat of, like, yeah, Childs and McCready are just going to sit there in the snow and, like, wait for the fire to burn out. Yeah, they're both going to die. You yeah. know, whether one of them is a thing or not, they're probably going to just perish yeah um so uh you know unsurprisingly this has a poor <laughs> box office well i guess surprisingly considering the like uh cultural footprint it has yes, at this point it is fully a classic now um, on par with like alien and things like that but it did not do well yeah kind of kind of similarly to um tremors last week or not last week two weeks ago sure but you know what i'm talking about well i mean i think it's funny because this movie is the exact opposite of tremors tremors is like a crowd pleaser it is like every line is people like, just didn't see it. it it is like a a movie written to be like snappy and everything is like really planned out and like delivered right on point this movie i mean i think it's just okay with making you kind of sit with it uncomfortably for a while. And it, it did make people uncomfortable. That's why 
critics didn't really like yeah. it because it's kind of like you said it's a little nihilistic people really hated the gore which could you imagine today people critiquing gore now we're just like on a, a an arms race <laughs> to see who can do the most fucked up shit imaginable <laughs> so it's, i mean it's interesting the characters were critiqued a little bit which i highly disagree with of course but yeah i mean i think the character writing is a choice that supports the story of the movie you know this is not a buddies team up to beat the alien movie no like, i don't fully want to know who anyone else so that i can draw my own conclusions about like what is normal for this character right know? and so that when somebody does something a little weird i'm like i'm not at ease i'm like why is that guy doing something weird yeah you know yeah. i'm not like Oh, I hope everything's okay with Gary, you know? Yeah, like... Windows, my favorite character. I hope he's okay. <laughs> my perfect little special boy, Windows. Windows. Um, but yeah, uh, people thought, you know, it was boring and slow. And, you know, there's lots of long, drawn-out shots with no dialogue where they just kind of let you sit with the mood. And They're so wrong. They're it, so it's completely just, wrong. It's just extremely like the general public having, like, a bad taste, basically. Yeah, just, I mean... A lot of it was like people were saying it was competing with E.T. and people like the happy alien movie. And I say, fuck E.T. Fuck E.T. Me and my friends would have murdered him with hammers. <laughs> I can promise you that much. I really don't care for E.T. I don't care either. Um, but yeah, it, so it only made $20 million off a of $15 million budget, which is like basically breaking even. Um, uh, it's of kind course of a, kind of a high effects budget for the time for sure yeah and i so, think it's fully deserved and utilized so rob Bowden is the special effects guy um he got his start working on a roger corman movie called uh, rock and roll high school in 1979 <laughs> um he like kind of parlayed that into meeting carpenter um where he worked with him on the fog um which you haven't seen but i have yeah. I think it's good. Um, and then he did uh, The Howling in 1981, which went really well, I guess. Uh, the effects in that are like specifically kind of well-known. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it. Um, and then Carpenter got him for The Thing, which at this point he was like 21 or 22. 22, yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Um, and he basically like lived at Universal for a year and six weeks without taking a break, which uh, put him in the hospital. Yeah, he had, like, double <laughs> pneumonia and, yeah. like, a bleeding ulcer. Just crazy. Um, but, I mean, obviously his effects are great. You can tell it's somebody who's, like, really excited to be making all oh, of yeah. this stuff. Maybe a little too excited. No, maybe too excited, but, um, I mean, it, it turned out really, really good. Yeah. Um, I, I just think it looks, um, you know, fantastic. Um, all of the practical effects, like, we just don't see this they, kind of shit anymore. They hold up so well. They yeah. still look so visceral and so gnarly. You yeah. just, you can't beat them. 100%. Um, Which is, uh, that's what makes the, the sequel, prequel, remake thing so upsetting. Should, should we talk about that a little bit? I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it either. I don't really think I need to because I kind of know the deal with it. I'm not against seeing it eventually, but what I know about it is... It's kind of billed as a remake, but it's actually a prequel, a secret prequel that leads into the the original movie with the Norwegian team. It's kind of their story. But um, the main upsetting deal with that one is that they started it all in practical effects that re- looked really cool, but then they went over it with CGI that looks yeah. like garbage. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't really feel the need to, like, remake this movie or reimagine it. I think it's, like, perfect as it is, basically. Um, I think if you were going to do it, that would be the the way to kind of do it. Do, like, this parallel story with the the Norwegian team. I don't hate that conceptually. I really don't. It's just, um... Maybe the execution was a little bad. The execution and the kind of the butchering of the effects that makes me sad yeah um but i mean there are things like in this movie that like you just can't really do anymore there there sure are things in this movie that's right (laughs) (laughs) but like they shot on top of a glacier in british columbia in uh, stewart british columbia in in an ice reef port yeah yeah you can tell it looks uh icy yeah uh but on location stuff is cool the the location stuff is fucking beautiful like all of it looks fantastic um i also think the pacing is really good um it's 109 minutes um which is yeah which is you know maybe like a touch long but i think it earns it Um, it's good a lot of it is slow burn which you gotta love with carpenter right it's usually like he's doing these atmospheric slow burns that are really rewarding towards yeah. the the final act ish. There's just a lot of bits of like, yeah, here's a shot that's like held for a little bit with some music behind it, and it's like really good. It like establishes the tone super well. Yeah, it's it's not John Carpenter music, by the way. I I was wrong when I told someone that, mm. but it it's extremely well disguised to be John Carpenter it music. Is, yeah, so it, it could fool you. I mean, he's involved in the music and a lot of his stuff. So yeah, I, I yeah that's be why I thought that. Yeah. Um but I mean, you know, it's great. Um it it's great at like building and releasing tension. There's so many moments of that. Um and even when it releases, it's like not even like a who I can calm down for a minute now. No, it's you can't. it's like, <laughs> oh shit. Like, okay, the moment of this scene is gone, but like what's going on mm-hmm. <laughs> like the the it just finds a way to keep building and building yeah. you were right uh, in that you said that it's paced extremely like a mystery because yeah. it, it just is it's played very straight as a mystery yeah like we mentioned um, earlier and then there were none agatha christie yeah so we haven't talked about it but it is based on the john campbell novel uh who goes there a like classic 1938 sci-fi movie um which is kind of, yeah, a mystery in the, like, and then there were none Agatha Christie genre with a little bit of sci-fi um, stuff thrown in there. It, it follows a lot of beats of that story, for sure. Like, you yeah. kind of you kind of get the, like, red herring character of, like, the judge versus Dr. Blair kind of, like, taken out for a second, but well, you but, don't know what's up And with then them. you've got Clark, you don't know what's going on with him. You've got... Um, childs who's everyone seems a little bit guilty yeah everyone seems a little guilty you kind of don't know who is and then there's and then there were none yeah exactly (laughs) and then then you have that nihilistic ending at the end which is also very and there were none too yes no i mean i think that all really works um yeah i think like the fact that it is a little bit mystery and it's a little bit sci-fi but mostly it's a horror movie um it just gives it like this really nice kind of like balance if that makes sense it's yeah. like a really good mixed drink yeah you know? it's it's a good atmospheric movie for sure it's got that uh that mix that you would want if you were really into like even if like you're not a horror movie person i think you would appreciate this movie for what it is exactly yeah because it does have the kind of like mystery plot going on and then it's also got the kind of um, effects and the uh, sci-fi kind of wow look at that ness to it also. Yeah. Um, 
which you know i think helps break up the kind of just like standard like horror tension building because most of the plot of this movie is people go what's that over there and then they go and investigate and then they come back yeah yeah um and that kind of just repeats over and over again you know they stay in basically the same location the entire time um but you never feel like at ease or at home in the in the space yonk is snoring (laughs) oh we're trying to record a podcast she's so beautiful no snoring on our podcast. I'll kick you out. <laughs> She's fine. She's fine. Um, do you want to rate this movie? Yes, let's go into it. All right. So first up is the spookiness rating. How good were the uh, scares in the general mood and tone? Opal, what would you give it? I think for mood and tone and tension and stuff, I would have to give it a four. Just because like the effects hold up really really well they're really still good. really freaky yeah I, I think i can only give it a four because there's not actually that many moments where i like jump out of my seat it is, it is not a jump scare movie but no. i appreciate that a lot about it in its own yeah um i think like a lot of the scares are like or a lot of the like kind of um big releases of energy are kind of out of nowhere yeah. Like, it'll be, something is happening, and then, holy shit, something else is happening over here. Because there there are jump scares, but it, it, I wouldn't call it a jump scare movie still. It's not like a set-up punchline sort of situation. It's no. more of, like, a like a panic and a scramble that I think is really good. Like, I, I think the, the blood testing scene is a good example. You're just kind of, yeah. like, on the edge of your seat, like, yeah. oh, when is when, something going to When's happen? the bomb going to go off, yeah. you know? Um, and then it finally does, and it's, yeah. you know, it's great. So It's uh, crazy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I like I like four because I'm not like terrified out of my mind the whole time. But the, yeah. what it does is very good. Yeah, I can't give it a five because I've seen it several times and like I've, I'm not really scared per <laughs> se. But I I appreciate it for what it does. Sure, uh, I mean like I I would say like a five for me like would be a movie where I'm kind of like beaten over the head with it a little bit, and this <laughs> yeah, doesn't quite yeah. beat no. me over the head with it. No, um, we right. will get to a five one day. We will. Uh, next up is watchability. So just how easy is it to throw this movie on and have a good time? It's uh, got to be five. This is a... Th- I'm obsessed with this movie. I'll watch it anytime. This is a 100% of five for me. This is a super rewatchable movie. Yeah. I think that's another reason it kind of took off kind of later on in yeah. life for and it. We, we showed it to a room full of people who had never seen it before and they, they loved it. They all yeah. have different tastes and things. It's just it's just a good movie. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, I really like it as a watchability five. I think it just works. Like, I think, um, yeah, it is a little slow, but I'm like, it's e- attention grabbing. E- even, even as like a movie that I've seen, like probably like seven or eight times, I'm still like, what's going to happen next? Like, yeah. I still have that. I still like sit forward in my seat a little bit as like things are going yeah. on. It's um, one of those where you can appreciate something new every time you watch it. Yeah. There's, there's a lot there. Um, all right, and last up is the Vincent Price. Vamp rating, the campiness and overall performances. Oh, boy, what would you give it? I think this is a five. The perfor- They got a lot of very good niche character actors in this movie who deliver a lot of great, really fun lines. Kurt Russell is great. Keith yeah. David is great. Yeah. I love just Wilford Brimley's meltdown. <laughs> I love everyone in this so much. Yeah, it's yeah. such good performances. I think um, while they don't necessarily flesh everybody out, a lot of the smaller character 
um, people still get a moment to do something. Everyone gets their moment for sure. Um, everyone gets a chance to like deliver a line or have like a little bit of a scene that they steal. Um, and I think that helps a lot. I think I'd only give it a four. Um, yeah, a five, you gotta be fucking kidding. F out of five. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, I think for me, like I, I do. I do want maybe a little bit more levity in this movie. Like, I realize that it is meant... It is in the service of a mood and a I think tone. It, I think it has it. Because uh, of Gary saying, Get me <laughs> off of this fucking couch! <laughs> I lose it every time. No, I got you. Like, it that, it all definitely works. But um, I think just maybe, like, my taste level a little bit. I just personally tend to like a slightly goofier movie. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll reserve my, my vamp five for that. But that's okay. a 14 for you and a 13 for me. That's so almost that's a perfect score al- for me. Almost. I think that's the highest score you've given. I um, think this was one of the movies we tested our scoring system on because it did really well. We're like, this is, a, this is a good scoring system. I think we both gave this a 13 when we first scored it. Well, it's gone up a point since I watched it again. <laughs> clearly, I have to say this was really fun to watch with like a uh, just a bunch of people. Oh, it was awesome! Um, just people reacting to it for the first time—that's really enchanting. And yeah. uh, I felt special to be a part of that, showing yeah. this to people for the first time. Yeah, one hundred percent. It was just really fun to watch this like with our friends and make uh, among us and uh, everyone's gay for each other jokes. But then also. That whole rowdy crowd just quieted the fuck down. I know. They were just enraptured by it, which our, our friends are a little wild sometimes yeah. in, a, in a good way. We love them to death, but it's just like everyone was so glued to the screen. It yeah. was awesome. Yeah. Um, so I, I love that. Um, so Probably should have told them about the dogs. It's fine. <laughs> we kept them in their seats and they were fine. <laughs> All right. Uh, so that's the thingy. The thingy. Uh, the thingy. Yeah, that was that was great. That was that was a fun watch. Always gonna stand by this pick. This is one of my favorites. And fall favorites. Speaking of fall favorites. Oh boy, what's your fall favorite for next week? <laughs> it's my turn. <laughs> you pushed up your invisible glasses. <laughs> uh, next week we're gonna be watching one of my favorites. What a more recent film. Oh. We're gonna be watching The Lighthouse. Oh. We're gonna be some salty dogs. <laughs> <laughs> not pirates. But... No, no, not pirates. Se- seamen. We're gonna be seamen. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. One of one that's of my, gonna be that's gonna be a really fun one. One of my like actual absolute favorites. Um, good one, good one. I don't know. We're playing into the isolation theme, I guess. Yeah, some uh, masculine dudes beefing with each other big time. <laughs> it's all three of our movies so far. Oh, baby. It's good, isn't it? It's good. really good. The thing is, it's really good. Uh, so yeah, join us next week for that. Yeah. And then Opal will close out the month of October with your fall favorite, which is, well, for now, I made a secret. I will reveal next week. Next time. Yes. All right, well, thanks everyone for joining us. Uh, Opal, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me anywhere on the internet on my card at opal.card.co you can find my socials and stuff and the podcast has its own twitter at scarypair on twitter.com and it exists that's right follow it if you want if you want tell your friends about the show uh we'd love to have more and new listeners sure uh and i'm at putrid underscore imp on twitter 
Um, I also have another podcast uh, at Level With You Pod that I do with my friend Austin. Uh, we play a few hours of World of Warcraft Classic every week and kind of book club about it. Uh, it's really fun because Austin's never played an MMO before. Yeah, uh, cool stuff. If that sounds up your alley, give that a listen. And uh, see everyone next week for The Lighthouse. Yeah. Ar, 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 ar. That's, my Mr. That's my Mr. Krabs. Boop. What? Boop. What? Boop. What's happening? I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I thought, I thought there was going to be a bomb explosion or something. I, I was like, can I do like the lighthouse noise? And I'm like, no, I can't do That's it. That's more like, like a... <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>